All right, folks, uh, good morning to you. We coming to you again from Midway Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Obviously, no one is in the sanctuary, uh, but um, I know that you have tuned in this morning, and it's my prayer that God will bless you because you've taken the time to um, set aside to spend family time together and to to watch uh, this um, service. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, and I'll introduce her in just a moment. But I do want to bring to our attention several announcements at this time. First, you see the um, beautiful arrangements behind me. And um, you can guess where they came from, Nan and Jerry Harrington. So, Nan and Jerry, thank you for taking time to do that. It adds so much to this Sunday, especially being Palm Sunday. So thank you, Nan and Jerry, for that. About services next week, as we have said the last two Saturday afternoons, uh, just get on the Internet or wait for email or text message to come through for services next Sunday. As I said last week, we probably will not meet together, unfortunately, but just listen uh, for when we may meet again, or I'm sure it won't be next week. All right, Good Friday, which is coming up this Friday. Um, we have been um, encouraged to take Good Friday, use Good Friday as a time of fasting and praying. It's coming from our denomination, the EPC, as well as the uh, PCA and ECO and one other denomination. I can't, I can't, one church, other church, I can't remember what it is. But I'm going to get Stephanie, if she would, to put some information on our website and about how to go about fasting and praying. There will be some information there. Uh, on, the, on the computer for you to find there on our website. And it'll kind of lead you through everything, give you some steps to what to pray for and how to do that. So I, I trust that you'll take advantage of that this coming Friday, Good Friday. Uh, again, if you, um, if you um, want to give uh, your tithes and offerings, you can send those to Elder Wendell Robinson at 1215 Evans Road, New Zion. Or you can drop it by his house. Uh, that would be fine. I know some of you are doing that, and that's, that's wonderful. Uh, so just continue to do that as the Lord leads you to give. I said last week, if you need me for anything, please don't hesitate to call. Call me anytime, day or night. Uh, my number was, uh, I think it's on the, I don't know if it's on the website or not, but anyway, it's 803-968-1066. If you need me for anything, please don't hesitate to call. Well, we have one birthday and one anniversary this week. Anniversary, Stephanie and Brian Harrington. Happy anniversary, Stephanie. She's up in the balcony and she's smiling right now. Uh, so happy anniversary to, you, anniversary to you and Brian. And one birthday, Courtney Floyd. Courtney, happy birthday to you. And those, uh, both of those occur on this Wednesday, April the 8th. So uh, that's all the announcements that, that I have. 
and uh, we'll enter into uh, a worship mode as uh, Miss Miss Anderson uh, starts us off here today with the call to worship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a day that you have made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for in the midst of all that's going on. Coronavirus, other sicknesses, other family issues, other problems. But, Lord, you're there for us. Thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the blessings of this past week. And I pray now, God, as we have come together right there in our homes to worship you, I pray, God, that we would truly do just that, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Miss Libby, for that. I want to go ahead and introduce uh, you folks who are watching uh, to this young lady, Miss Libby Anderson. She is um, in charge of the music over at New Covenant Presbyterian Church in Manning. Uh, Miss Libby is a teacher at um, Lawrence Manning Academy, been there for a lot of years. We have talked together and and um, just had a just had a good time uh, together over there, and um, what a blessing it is, Libby, to have you with us today. Thank you for being here and taking your time out of your busy day to come and to sing for us uh, this afternoon. What a actually this morning I get my times mixed up. Uh, it, it's Saturday afternoon, by the way, folks. Um, uh, but you'll be seeing this Sunday morning. But. It's a blessing to, to add some music to the, to the service. So thank you, Miss Libby, and pray God's blessings on you and your family. <clears throat> well, I don't know if you have been um, writing these things down, but we, the last two weeks we have brought some different things uh, to the table as far as prayer goes. And we want to do that today as well. And, and I'm not going to spend as much time. I, I hope you, if you haven't written those down, please go back or, or write them down now. And we're just going to mention these and, and just give about just, just a few seconds if you want to just, just uh, whisper a prayer up to God concerning these uh, particular areas of prayer and items of prayer. But let me say this to um, our folks who are in our church, who are in the medical profession who are literally out among uh, this uh, deadly virus, giving of your time, um, um, continuing to, to take care of people. I want to say, and this church wants to say thank you for doing that, not only the ones who are part of our church, but everybody who's working in the medical profession, all of you health care workers, what a blessing it is to have you people uh, to... Give um, your time in, in a very critical time as we're going through. So thank you. Know that you're greatly appreciated. And not only appreciated, but prayed for. I have a verse that I would like to um, read for us before we go into this time of prayer. Isaiah 41 and verse 10 reads this way. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now what I want to do is just go down these bullet points and just uh, reiterate what, we, what we're trying to do here. And on Friday, when, when you get uh, the other information, a lot of this will be uh, repeated. But again, as you're there in your homes this morning, please uh, offer up a prayer uh, along these lines. Let's first start with um, that God will, will do away with this coronavirus. Folks, God's quite capable of that. I've seen God stop hurricanes in their tracks and turn them and go another direction. God is that powerful. So we want to pray that God will do away 
with this coronavirus. We also want to pray that God will heal those who are sick with the virus. And in the hundreds more that will be infected with it. Pray that God will heal those people that are sick. We pray that God will comfort family and friends of those who have lost loved ones to the virus. One of our very own, um, one of our EPC pastors at Second Church in Memphis, Tennessee, Second EPC in Memphis, Tennessee, Tim Russell, a young man who lost his life this past Monday, young man. Remember his wife, Kathy. We continue to pray for our president and vice president as they make important decisions. All the governors throughout the United States, our South Carolina governor, as he makes decisions as well. Local leaders of our cities and towns, it's affecting all of them as well. So they're they're making decisions on a daily basis. So we want to pray for them. And as I've mentioned, the medical personnel, the doctors, the nurses, pray that they will be kept healthy and those who are sick, that they will get well soon. Pray for our students who are at home during their schoolwork, that you would bless them in this time. We pray for those who have lost jobs, who don't have an income. Pray for those who could possibly lose businesses that is their source of income. So Heavenly Father, Lord, you have heard our request. We pray, God, that you would meet each and every need. We pray, God, for a miracle to take place in in our world, not just our nation, but in our world, in your world that you created. God, I pray for a miracle that this coronavirus will be will be done away with that will that it will be no more and lord we know that all you have to do is speak a word and that can happen and as i said every day as i ponder all the things that are going on in our world i i can't help but think what is it god you're trying to teach us what is it that you're trying to tell us What is it that you're trying to show us? God, may we listen to whatever it is we need to be hearing from you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.
Well, again, good morning. Glad that you are here. I hope you are uh, comfortable, ready to go. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, preaching this message to us this morning. Well, it is Palm Sunday. And uh, I know some of you uh, have your watch off and are timing this message. So I took mine off, and I'm going to time it too. That watch doesn't mean a thing to me. I'm just going to lay it right here and just, just preach on. If, if I get too long-winded, uh, put it on pause, go get you something else to eat or drink, and come on back and, and, and join us. Well, it is Palm Sunday, and what a, what a special uh, Sunday in the life of the church. But I want us just to imagine, if you will, taking that walk down the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, and that's about a 14-mile trek, if you will. Now, the text that we'll be reading in just a moment, uh, Jesus has gotten uh, almost, almost there, about a little over two miles. So his journey is almost completed. Uh, but this week, of course, is the last week of the life of Jesus Christ here on earth. So I want us to imagine traveling down this road this morning with the Lord Jesus. I remember a few years ago, uh, Terry Taylor um, asked me to go uh, to hear Dr. Charles Stanley preach down at Myrtle Beach. And, of course, I, I, I jumped at the opportunity to do that. I love Dr. Stanley. And we went down there, and not only were we able to hear him preach, but we were able to hang around afterwards and, and get to shake his hand and meet him and have our picture made with him. And that was truly an honor and a blessing. Well, a couple of years ago, um, Reverend Robert Jolly uh, asked me to go up to Rock Hill to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, meeting. And there, the, me the, the keynote speaker was Coach Monty Lee, who is the Clemson baseball coach. And, of course, I, I loved that. I got to shake his hand, meet him, talk to him, I get a picture made with him. Then one, uh, it's been several years ago, uh, I ran into Coach Ray Tanner at the Colonial Life Arena at a basketball game. And got to meet him and have my picture made with him and, and, and got to talk with him. And then I can't leave out, uh, certainly uh, one of my favorite all-time coaches, and uh, that is Coach Dawn Staley. And I remember when I met her for the first time and, and shook her hand and had my picture made uh, with her. And, and meeting those people, and I know those people aren't any, any more important than, than you or I. But meeting those people was a big deal to me. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, and I love Dr. Stanley, and I was honored to be able to meet those people. But as I thought about that, I began to think about this last week of the life of Jesus Christ. And he was, as, as he would go into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. And I began to imagine, and I asked us this this morning, can you imagine what it would be like what it would have been like to have met face-to-face -face the Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to shake his hand and, and put our arm around him and hug him. And then from there, we could go on and, and we could see Lazarus, the man who was, who was literally dead and Jesus brought back to life. Boy, that would have been amazing to be able to meet those people. But I talk about Dr. Stanley and Coach Monty Lee and Coach Ray Tanner and Coach Dawn Staley to say this. Those folks are pale in comparison to meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I've said, I'll say it again. Today on the Christian calendar is Palm Sunday. 
the beginning of Holy Week, the last few days of the life of Jesus, the time Jesus began his journey towards the cross, a time for us to prepare our hearts for A, the agony of his passion, and B, the joy of his resurrection. Now, let me take us back to Jesus' public ministry. Now, his public ministry uh, began when he was 30 years old. He, his public ministry was, was, was three years, or maybe a little over three years. And think back with me over those times where Jesus literally walked the face of the earth and how he healed people and how he taught people and how he ministered to people how he performed those miracles. And remember how people would confess to him and what they would say once they would, would go through a miracle or whatever. They would say, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And remember what Jesus would say to them? He would look at them and say, don't tell anyone what you have seen or heard. I began to think about this week, that this week, and have you ever wondered why Jesus said that? Don't tell anyone what you've seen, what you've heard, and here's why. Palm Sunday. You see, Jesus knew that when, when the word got out that, that this was really the Messiah, and even though people didn't believe it, he was really the Messiah. He was the son of the living God. He was the promised prophet. When all of that information got out, we know what would happen, and we know what did happen. There would be a confrontation with the religious leaders that would lead where? To the cross. Now, keep in mind, this is very important, that Jesus knew what the plan was for his life, but the time had not yet come for him to be crucified. So Jesus is about to make his public declaration about who he really is. It was no secret anymore. He was going public with this as he walks into Jerusalem. And he wants everybody to know what he has been teaching his disciples for the past three years. He wants all of Jerusalem to know what his disciples know about him. Even though they were still a little bit skittish, they were still a little bit doubtful, they were still a little bit not quite sure of it all. Here's what that first Palm Sunday is all about, and we need to get this, church. One, it's about Jesus explaining to everyone who he is. And secondly, what he has come to do. Who he is and what he has come to do. That's very, very critical in this story this morning. So under God's leading, I want us to notice three very important things in these 11 verses from Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. Matthew chapter 21, and let's read these verses together, and then we'll break them down and try to get us a message out of this this morning. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied. 
and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now donkey here signifies royalty. Verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna means save or save now. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Other translation reads, the city was stirred, saying, listen to what they said. They asked it, they said it in a question, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee, the precious, holy, infallible, inerrant Word of the Lord. Father God, thank you for your word today. Now as we open it, as we look into it a little deeper, a little closer, I pray, Lord God, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would show us the message you want us to leave here with this morning. Lord God, bless this time together. We pray in your name. Amen. Now, again, if you're taking notes, uh, let me encourage you to write down this. Uh, I'm going to give you a little quick outline, and then we'll talk about those outlines for a moment. Verses 1 through 3, we find here where Jesus makes it clear that he's coming as king. He's very deliberate. He's very intentional in what he's going to say in those verses. We just read them. I won't reread them. Verses 4 through 7, this would be point number 2. Not only does uh, Jesus deliberately come as king, but he comes as king according to the Scripture, according to the Word of God, verses 4 through 7. You see, everything he does is to fulfill the Scripture, and that's important for us to know this morning. Verses 8 through 11, we will see a response to Jesus as he enters Jerusalem, which says to us today, church, how will we respond to the king? How will we respond to the king? So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem as king, and he's coming as king according to the scriptures, and there will be a response to this triumphal entry. <clears throat> Jesus does something interesting here in verse number 10. And I want to jump ahead because I want to plant this seed so we, can, so we can have these three words before us the rest of the message. And it's a question in verse number 10. Who is this? Who is this? I want you to, to underline that, highlight that, memorize those three words, 
put that question in the back of your mind. Because see, we, church, must come to grips with the same question. Who is this Jesus? And I pray that we all can see on this Palm Sunday who Jesus is. And he's going to make it very clear, very, very clear in this text this morning as who he is. Now, let's also remember this, that we must never forget the question, who is this, is an eternal question. What do you mean by that, preacher? This is what I mean. That it's a question of life and death. It's the difference between heaven and hell. And that question is what ought to get our attention. So Jesus is telling us, as we sit in the confines of our homes, wherever it may be, kitchen table, den, dining room, wherever it is, and he's asking us to sit here on this Palm Sunday and ponder two questions. One, who do I really believe that Jesus is? And two, am I willing to stake my life on who he claims to be? So let's go ahead and look at point number one, verses one through three. Jesus claims to be king. I'm not sure if I said this earlier, but if I did, this this will repeat. But if I didn't, you need to hear this. Now, the journey from Jericho to Jerusalem was about 14 miles now, in this text that we, that we read in chapter 21, Jesus is a lot closer to Jerusalem. He's, he's about two, a little over two miles out from Jerusalem. And, and, and Jesus there in verse number two, he, he tells his disciples to go. What does he say? He says, go and do what? Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, Jesus had a long walk. Obviously, he didn't do this in a a day's time, all these 14 miles. But Jesus is now closer to Jerusalem. And we find him giving instructions to his disciples to to go and get a colt, the foal of a donkey. And and he's going to ride that. I I, I was wondering this week, do you think that, that he just decided the last two miles of the leg of this journey to get a colt? You think he just got tired? Probably not. He would have been tired a lot earlier. But I say that to say this. He deliberately, intentionally chooses to ride this colt into Jerusalem. And he gets on that colt and he rides it in for a specific reason. In verse 4 is that reason. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. All this was done, the verses 1 through 3, everything that we read in verses 1 through 3. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I began thinking about that and how inappropriate it seems that any king, much less the king of kings and lord of lords, should make his triumphal entry riding on a donkey, 
rather than on a beautiful white stallion or some fancy chariot. But get this. The reason Jesus did what he did, it was all in the plan. Because Jesus did what he did because that's what God's prophet predicted. That's what God's son did. That's what Jesus did. Why? Because that was the divine plan. That was the plan before the foundation of the world. Jesus makes claim to his kingship by riding this donkey. And it's quite clear that the crowd is a little bit aroused, if you will. Verse number 9, look at verse 9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the, the highest. It seems when, when we read that, that the crowd knew exactly what was going on. They seemed to understand this symbolism, if you will, this kingly symbolism that Jesus was claiming to be king. But, get this, they failed to see the real Jesus. They did not see the true significance of what they were doing, much less what Jesus was about to do just a few days from now to die on the cross on their behalf. You see, they really never understood the Lord Jesus, neither did they understand themselves. Picture with me, because I can just see Jesus now. As he was saying to these people, as he's coming into Jerusalem, I'm not the kind of king you're expecting. I'm not the, a military messiah who is going to boot out your political problems, and those political problems were, of course, the Romans. I'm not going to do that and reestablish the Mosaic law. That's not me. And can't you hear him as he continues? He goes on to say, I'm not the Messiah you're expecting, but I'm the Messiah you need. I'm not the king you're expecting because you need lots more than being delivered from the Romans. You need to be delivered from yourselves. What in the world does that mean? That simply means that the people needed to be delivered from their sins. And the only kind of king that can give that to you, Jesus says, is me, Jesus. A military king can't do it, but here's the king that can do it. The one that is humble enough to die for your sins can give you the kind of deliverance you need. So first this morning we see Jesus as he claims to be king, as he rides into Jerusalem. And not only does he claim to be king, but number two, he does so according to the Scripture. Now don't fool yourself. Jesus had it all planned out because after all, Jesus was God. God incarnate. God in the flesh. He was in control. Jesus was in control of all the events that affected his life, and he was doing everything that lined up with the will of God and Scripture. You see, verse 5, 
is a direct quote from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah 9, 9. And this is what being repeated. Prophecy that was told hundreds and hundreds prior to this event that was taking place. I want to show you something else about how Jesus does things according to Scripture. Flip over to chapter 26, if you will. Chapter 26, verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, that he said to his disciples, listen to what he's saying here. You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So in two days is the Passover. In two days is time for me to be crucified. So that makes it Wednesday of the week. Friday he was crucified. So we're talking Wednesday here. So he says on this Wednesday, two days from now, the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now look at verse 3. The chief priest, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. Notice what they were doing. And plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Oh, yeah, we're going to trick him. We're going to kill him, but let's don't do it during Passover. Did it happen during Passover? Absolutely. It happened during Passover. There Jesus again using Scripture. You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. These other folks had different, uh, a, a different idea. But guess whose plan panned out? The Lord Jesus. See, it's important for us to know this, church, that Jesus was not the victim of the Romans or the scribes or the Pharisees, or the Sadducees, or the Sanhedrin. Jesus is in complete control, and he is fulfilling Scripture. He is fulfilling his Father's will. Now, what is Jesus teaching here? Real simple. He's teaching what it means to live by the book. A history book, a literature book, a math book? Nope. This book, the Holy Bible. You see, his ministry, his whole life was done by the book. That's what was going on on Palm Sunday. Jesus claiming to be king by doing this. Showing the people then and showing us today the very word of God. Let me say this. We must always remember that any time someone points us to Jesus away from the Bible, we can be sure that is from a person whose name starts with S. And it's not the Spirit of God, it's Satan. Someone has said this, and I quote, The Spirit doesn't point us to Jesus away from the Bible. He points us to Jesus with the Bible. So we've seen Jesus 
is entering Jerusalem, claiming to be king, and claiming as he claims to be king according to the Scripture. And lastly, we see the response of the people. What is the response of the people? Well, look at verse 8 and 9 of Matthew 21. 8 and 9. We're about done. Verse 8 says, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Okay, other version says, A large crowd or crowds. Okay? Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So it says a great multitude. Then it says others. Then look at what verse 9 says. Then the multitudes who went before, before Jesus into Jerusalem, and those who followed Jerusalem behind him. Isn't it interesting that they were following the Passover lamb? And probably didn't have a clue as to what was fixing to take place to the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus, in just a few days. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And see the crowds, there, were, there, was, a, there was a large crowd of people. Some, some scholars say maybe close to 2 million people there in Jerusalem that day. So in that large mass of people, in that crowd were other crowds. Such crowds as maybe some political activists who wanted freedom from Rome. They knew that Jesus had the power, the supernatural power, and they, he could, if anybody could do it, he could take them from under Roman rule. Maybe there were people there who had loved ones who were sick, and as they waved those palm branches, they were waiting for healing to take place in their loved one's life. After all, they're probably the same ones, some of those same ones waving those palm branches, were there uh, witnessing the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And you know there's got to be some that were there just because they were curious they had nothing else to do. And then some followed because they were serious. They were into Jesus. As pastor and author Bill Heibel said of the triumphal entry, and I quote, Jesus was the only one in the parade who knew why he was going to Jerusalem to die. Get this. Dr. Howell says he had a mission while everyone else had an agenda. Now back to verse 10 as we wrap it up. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And see, we could ask that three different ways. Who is this? Who is this? Or who is this? And look at the answer they gave in verse 11. So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Well, 
The answer they gave was right, was, was then and is true today. He is a prophet. He is from Nazareth. But the people failed, a lot of them failed to understand what was said in verse 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, those are the people of Israel, Behold, your king is coming to you. This was predicted years and years ago, church. Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's what they needed to understand. Why? They need to get this. Because that's the question on which all of history and our lives hinge. Who is this? Can we fast forward just a couple nights here, a few nights to the Gospel of John? John chapter 14. As Jesus was still trying to get his disciples to see what was, what was fixing to take place. And they still didn't get it. But Jesus says, in verses 1 through 4 of John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, listen, listen to one of the 12, what he said. Thomas said to him, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus immediately, what does he say to him? I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now do we see the importance of the question, who is this? The question is before all of us this Palm Sunday. And we either know him or we don't know him. And if we know him, we're on the way to heaven for an eternity with Jesus. If we don't know him, we're on our way to eternal separation from Jesus. We see in Scripture that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. The triumphal entry, as it is called. Scripture plainly tells us that he was their Savior. He was their King that they needed back then, and he is our Savior, our King that we need today. So who is this King? He's the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Scripture says, the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. Let me close with this. And as you have pondered the Scripture, as you have pondered the points that we've made today, 
there were several groups of people in Jerusalem that day. We know there's a lot of people. But there were several groups of people there that day. There were, I'm sure, the critics, those religious leaders who were intimidated by Jesus and saw him as a threat and wanted him gone and forgiven and forgotten. Then there was the crowd. But they wanted to be around him just, just, to, just to see the show, so to speak, just, just to see the miracles that, that he performed and didn't really care a whole lot about him. And then there were the curious, those interested a little bit more than, than, than those in the crowd that just wanted to see the show, but they didn't get too excited about him either. They're a lot alike, the crowd. And then there were the committed ones, those faithful followers of Christ. So here's how I want to close. Which group do you and I identify with? Which is more your lifestyle? Which is more my lifestyle? The critics, the crowd, the curious, the committed. As we think this week, and I pray that you will put some serious thought into the last week of the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last days here on earth. If it were us, if we knew, as Jesus knew, that he were going, that, 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 that we were going to die not necessarily crucified, but that we were going to die. Here's the question. What can we say that we have done with Jesus? You see, we are either for him or we are against him. We're either lost or we are saved. We're headed to heaven or we're headed to hell. We're building our life on the firm foundation or we're building our life on the, the, the shaky foundation, the sinking sand, if you will. We're either traveling down the broad road that leads to destruction or we're traveling down the narrow road that leads to everlasting life. And that's the question that we must come to grips with. Who is this? Can we answer that, church? We have to answer that individually. We can't answer it corporately. We have to answer it individually. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for how you have reminded us that Jesus came into Jerusalem as King of kings and Lord of lords what he claimed he was he was the king Lord you showed us how he did all of that according to scripture and then Lord you, you showed us the response of the people and that falls into our category we must come to grips with the question who is Jesus? 
My prayer is that everyone that is watching this service this morning can say without a shadow of a doubt that he or she is a child of God. And as we think about this week, this last week of the life of Jesus, we can't help but think about next Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when the one who loved us so much gave his life for us, was nailed to a cruel cross, was put in a borrowed tomb, and three days later came out victorious. That's the hope in the life of a believer. So, Lord, speak to us this week as we contemplate what Jesus went through as he entered into Jerusalem and what he was going through and as he was nailed to the cross. But help us also to look at the other side as we see Jesus raised from the dead. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for saving us. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.